prayer, please. Father, Lord, we, we are here to give you praise. We are here to voice with finite minds, really inadequate words. Praise for your glory, your majesty, your goodness. But our heart longs to do that. You're worthy of it. We were created to do that. Know that when the heart is right, that it is a pleasing sound to you. Rises to heaven and blesses you. Thank you for the privilege of doing that. Thank you that you're right here with us. We come in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that as we gather here together in his name, that you are here. You're here through the person of your Holy Spirit. I'm asking you this morning that you would, you would have your way, that your Holy Spirit would have freedom here, that you would fill me and unleash your truth through me and apply it to the hearts of those that are here that spiritual truth would be spiritually revealed by you. I know I can't do that. I know that you can. I even know that you will. And I thank you for it. And Lord, I, I don't just want to pray for Cornerstone Church. There are many churches all across this city that are meeting that have come in the name of Christ just like we have, that are longing to meet with you just like we are. I'm asking that in each one of those houses of worship where the Word of God is proclaimed and Christ is central, that you would do an incredible work there, that you would draw people to Christ, that you would minister uh, to hurting people and restore broken people and do all those manifold aspects of your grace that you are so generous to pour out. Would you just do that, Lord? Build up your church in this city this morning, I pray. And I want to pray a special prayer, Lord, for Avant Loop Church. And We've seen the pictures and we're grateful that there was no one injured in that disaster there that the roof caved in. I want to pray for that church. I'm actually looking forward to talking to the pastor this week and seeing what we can do as a church body to come alongside of them. And I pray that you would meet their needs and just use you know, out of the rubble of that as you're such a incredible at doing, just out of... The, destruction or disaster, that you'd do a great work through that process and bless that church in incredible ways. Let's commit the rest of our morning to you. Thank you for what you're doing and are going to do in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.
What I'm going to do this morning is going to continue in a series that we are on called Divine Design. The purpose or goal of this series, I mentioned that the last two Sundays, this is our third weekend, is to equip you to discover your spiritual gift and really your overall divine design and encourage you, motivate you to develop and deliver that service in the life of the church to build up the church. So this is week three. We're going to jump in the subject again. Each of you are created unique by God. You are God's workmanship crafted by Him. At your beginning, you were unique. No one else ever created, fashioned, shaped by God just like you. In addition to that, your physical form, your personality, your heart's desires, they are uniquely yours. Even beyond that, you have a unique set of experiences, a set of circumstances in life and upbringing that make you uniquely who you are. All of those things go into your divine design. What I want to do this morning is I want to take Six aspects of your divine design. And I want to talk to you about those. And I want to use an acrostic that maybe will help you to remember. An acrostic with the word design. And we're going to look at six different aspects of who you are. And God wants to use every one of these aspects to shape and craft and use you for the building up of His kingdom according to His purposes. So what's included? What's included in my divine design? What's included in yours? This is not meant to be an exhaustive list, but we are going to cover six key components. Here's the first one. Your unique divine design includes the following. Number one, desires desires. Here's the key question here. What motivates you? What motivates you? Here, the heart is in focus. Desires come from your heart, right? I'm not talking about the organ that beats, but from the center of who you are, your core. Your heart comprehensively influences your life. Let me say that again. Your heart comprehensively influences your life. Listen to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I believe that this one of the truths that's in this verse right here. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. From it flow the springs of life. That is a source. Your heart is a source. It produces really what? 
is a deep part of you. A couple of questions related to this. What are your passions? What moves you? What breaks your heart? What causes your pulse to quicken? What causes your tear ducts to open? Your voice to break? These are questions of the heart. If you spend very much time with someone, you're going to be able to discover fairly quickly what they're motivated about, what they're passionate about, what the desires of their heart are. I think it's good that we don't not only notice that about others, but we notice that about ourselves. Have you spent any time with your heart? I mean, asking yourself questions about your motives and your passions and your deep desires and what compels you and what causes you to break with emotion and increases your pulse rate. You see, those are a part of the things that God has wired into you. It's a part of your divine design. And as you understand the desires of your heart, it's going to help you to be able to connect with as one of the pieces to help you to connect with the good things that God wants to do through your life. So a part of your divine design is your desires, things that motivate you. Here's the E in design. The E is experiences. Experiences. Here's the key question here. What has shaped you? What has shaped you? Circumstances of your life. This is your upbringing, your relationships, your victories, your failures, your mountaintops and your valleys. All of those experiences have contributed to making you who you are. A part of the shaping and molding of your life. And I'm absolutely convinced that God wants to work in the midst of all of our circumstances, good and bad, fun and painful, to use those to shape and mold us into the men and women as followers of Christ that He wants us to be. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you see the connection with experiences here and God using those in your life? It's talking here about an individual going through very difficult circumstances and God meeting that person in the midst of that circumstance, holding them up, giving them strength, carrying them through, providing the comfort. And then Paul says, what you do with that as a follower of Christ, then it equips you 
to come alongside someone else's life, maybe someone that is walking through a similar circumstance that you've been through. And with the comfort that God has brought to you, that comfort is an equipping in your life, and you can pass on the profound truth about the nature of God and what God can do for them. You know it because He did it for you. And you can share it with power and with conviction. You see, your experiences can be great tools in the hands of God in your life. Valleys you've walked, storms you've weathered. Maybe, and I'm sure of this, sanctuary this size, crowd this size, many of you right now are walking through our weathering some storms right now. Maybe the childhood you enjoyed or the childhood that you had to endure. Both can be used by God to do a good work in your life. How about encounters that you've had with God? Those are part of your experiences. Times when God has maybe taken the Word of God as you've been studying it and has just brought a profound truth to your heart. Life-changing experience. That's an experience that God wants to use in the shaping of your life. At times, God brings other people around our life, people who know us and love us, and He allows them to speak inspired truth into our lives. It's a part of your experiences that God wants to use. So looking at those experiences and writing them down and praying over them and asking God to show you how they fit into your divine design. I encourage you to do that. So we've looked at desires, what motivates you, experiences, what shaped you. How about the S? Skills. Skills. What are you good at? Maybe say it this way, what comes easy for you? What just seems natural? Your aptitudes. 2 Corinthians 3.5. This is true of every one of your skills. We're not talking about spiritual gifts now. We're talking about natural abilities, skills, talents. This is true of every one of your skills. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, every single one. Both your spiritual gifts and your physical gifts, both your spiritual abilities and your natural abilities. Matter of fact, every breath that you draw in to fill your lungs. That's, a, that's from God's power. Every 
time your eye blinks keeps your eye, your eyelid blinks, keeps your eye moist. That's a blessing of God. Every beat of your heart, it's a blessing from God. God is the giver of all good things, the Bible says. Let me give you an example here related to, a biblical example related to talents. Exodus chapter 31. This is going to talk about both spiritual gifts and I believe natural talents, aptitudes. Here's the setup. God came to Moses. Moses was on the backside of the desert. And he said to Moses, Moses had fled Egypt. And God came to him and said, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to free my people, the Hebrew people, from bondage. It was an encounter that he had with God. He had been out taking care of the sheep and he looked up on a mountainside and a bush was burning (coughs) and it was not being consumed. And he said, I got to turn aside to see this marvelous sight And so he came up to this burning bush, not consumed, and he had an encounter with God. And God said, Moses, I want you to go and free my people. And so Moses, basically, he had an argument with God. He said, God, I can't do that. And one of his reasons was, I'm slow of speech. You know that. I don't have the natural skill set to do what you're asking me to do. And it says in Exodus chapter, I think it's Exodus chapter 4, God says to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? All gifts, talents, natural aptitudes and abilities come from the Lord. Here's another example. Moses leads them out into the wilderness, having been used by God to deliver them, and they go to the mountain where the Ten Commandments are given, and God gives a very descriptive design for the tabernacle with an incredible set of ornate plans and pieces that need to be made, components that need to be made for the tabernacle. But who is going to make them? Listen to Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 6. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for settings and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And behold, I myself have appointed with him 
Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts, listen, and in the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill that they may make all that I have commanded you. There is, it seems to me clearly in here, divine enablement by the Spirit of God, spiritual gifts, and God-given natural skills and talents and abilities. I have in the hearts of all who are skillful, natural talents, abilities, I have put skill. I have enabled them spiritually. There is both natural and spiritual abilities being given here. So a part of your divine design are the skills, the aptitudes, the natural abilities that you possess. When you discover those, they'll help you see a clear picture of your divine design as you put it up next to your desires and your experiences. So we've got desire, experiences, skills. Now the I, identity, identity. Here's the key question here. What defines you? What defines you? Let me just take a moment to just give a kind of a working definition here for identity. We could also use the word personality. It is the visible aspect of one's character as seen by others. The visible aspect of one's character. Here's another way to define it. The sum total of the physical, mental, emotional, and social characteristics of an individual. It's the essential character of a person, identity or personality. Here's a couple of synonyms. A person's disposition, a person's makeup, their nature, their temperament. We are so uniquely designed by God. And part of that design includes our identity, our personality. Psalms 139.13, I believe this verse speaks to both your physical makeup and the aspects of personality. For you formed my inward parts, talking to God, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. That's certainly true of your physical being, I believe that is just as equally true of what makes up your personality. You're uniquely what makes you you. Knowing those things will help you get a better picture of your divine design as you put those together with the other components and prayerfully ask God, how would you want to use this set 
for your glory. I have two sons. I'm going to illustrate this right within my own family. I have two sons, a 15-year-old and a 20-year-old. They grown up with the same mom and dad. They have attended the, basically the same schools. Very similar, identical home life. They've lived their entire life in this church right here, spent their entire life coming to this one church. Many of the same friends. I went to college. I was told in one of the, the secular college, first year, one of the psychology classes said that all we are is just a byproduct of our environment. <laughs> what, what surrounds us and the input that comes into our life. And anybody that's drawn breath for very long knows that's a bunch of bunk. Certainly every parent knows that that is not true. My two sons, they have a lot of similarities. They both love family. They are incredible with kids. They both are highly patriotic. Both love helping people. I just... You know, I'm the preacher. I get to brag a little bit. It's part of the, one of the kudos, right? Okay, so just bear with me here. Here's something that's true of both of them, conviction that I have. If I were uh, in a plane, I'm a hunter, kind of an outdoors guy. If, if I were in a, you know, a super cub that crashed out in the middle of the wild and I needed a couple companions with me, that could brave the dangers of the wild and fight our way back out of a difficult situation, two guys on the top of my list would be my son Braden and my son Brooks. I mean that with all of my heart. A lot of similarities. But wow, there is a lot of differences. Let me just highlight a few. One says, let's do it big. The other says, let's do it right. One recharges in solitude. One recharges in a crowd. One likes to know what's coming. The other loves the spur of the moment. One thrives in the spotlight. The other shines in the low light. Charisma describes one. Loyalty describes the other. One likes to sleep until noon. The other, 30 minutes past noon. <laughs> One has external visible passion. The other has deep hidden passion. One was born to be a solid anchor the other was born to rewrite the lyrics. What others will say of them, of one they'll say, I want to be with him. 
I believe of the other, they'll say, I want to be like him. So different. Same environment. Uniquely designed by God. So are you. It's a part of God's shape, his design over your life. It's a part of who he made you. And as you understand that, can help you understand in what ways he wants to use you in his service. Let's go to the G. The G is gifts or spiritual gifts. Been talking about those uh, last couple of weeks. Let me just give you the definition again, kind of a layman's definition here. The spiritual gifts are the way the Holy Spirit determines to consistently use a follower of Christ to build Christ's church. The way the Holy Spirit determines to consistently use a follower of Christ to build Christ's church. It's the empowerment of God. Understanding what your gifts are. Your spiritual gifts are going to help you understand your divine design to know how God wants to use you in His service. Next week, what we're going to do is I'm going to try to gather up all of the spiritual gifts listed in Scripture and just show them to you, put together, drawn from several different passages, kind of categorized under different headings. And most of them are self-explanatory. A few I'll need to define a little bit, but we'll spend time next week looking at a list of spiritual gifts that are given in Scripture. 1 Peter 4.10, and this really is kind of a key verse for this whole series on divine design. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So what we've just looked at in the last three points are skills, identity or personality, and gifts. That the general idea here is that those are going to work in concert together. That your skill set, your natural aptitudes, your natural abilities, and your personality, even further back, your desires are going to work in cooperation with your spiritual gift. I think that is true for the most part, but God is the God of exceptions also. I want to say that. It's not always what you see externally with the visible eye, say, oh, that person right there. Oh, God's going to make that person uh, a great leader or a great communicator or a great teacher of His Word. That could be true, but it's not always true. Example we looked at a minute ago, Moses. Moses is saying, God, not me. I don't have the skill set 
to be your voice piece, your communicator to go and do this. And God says, look, who gave man his mouth and his ears and all of his ability? Is it not me? It's not that I need you to have all of the right skills and abilities and aptitudes. I just need you. I just want you to be available, and through you, I will do what I want to do. And I'm the one that chooses that, not you. So you just say yes to me, and I'll do what you could never imagine. That certainly was true of Moses. Let me give you another example. Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, considered to be the greatest American theologian of history. He was one of the key preachers of the Great Awakening. In July 8, 1741, Enfield, Connecticut, he preached what is considered to be the greatest message of the Great Awakening, message used by God in such power was titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Eighteen-point message, and you think you have a bad here. Eighteen-point message. What kind of a personality was Jonathan Edwards? Was he this dynamic, charismatic, flamboyant, grip you with his preaching style? Here's what history says of him. It was time to preach. He would get up, his manuscript in one hand and his candle in the other, and he would ascend to the pulpit. And when he preached, someone said it was as though he was just kind of staring at the back of the meeting place, just reading and staring at the back of the meeting place. It was said that he had none of the dramatic gestures of the other great preachers of the Great Awakening like George Whitfield. He made little to no motion with his head or his hands. His voice was average to weak. But when he spoke, when the words came out of his mouth, they fell with such power upon his hearers. I want to read one of his quotes in that sermon speaking about the wrath of God. The bow of God's wrath is bent, his arrows made ready upon the string. Justice points the arrow at your heart and strings the bow. It is nothing 
but the mere pleasure of God and that of an angry God without any promise or obligation at all that keeps the arrow one moment from being made drunk with your blood. But he would say statements like that with tears of deep tenderness and anointed compassion. Here's an eyewitness account that was in that meeting place when he preached that message. Manuscript in one hand, candle in the other, standing still, reading and staring at the back wall. And what happened, the people in Enfield yelled and shrieked. They rolled in the aisles. They crowded up into the pulpit and begged him to stop. Forcing Mr. Edwards at one point to speak to the people and quiet them down so that he could be heard above the shrieking and the moans. There was great moaning and crying out throughout the whole house. The shrieks and cries were piercing and amazing. Folks, that's not a skill or an aptitude. That's a gift. That's a Holy Spirit empowered and unleashing of the truth of God. So, I think the normal or common pattern is that God cooperates in His design to give us desires and skills and personality that meshes with very uh, nice and fitting with our gifts, but at times He doesn't do that. And He's God and He has the right to do it differently in every person. The point is, God does want to use your life for something, specifically something that builds His kingdom. And discovering what that is should be and applying yourself to it and walking in it should be a passion of your life as a follower of Christ. And that brings me to the last point. And it's a great point of balance. It's a great point of balance here. The N is needs. Needs. And here's the key question. What surrounds you? What are the needs and the opportunities that surround you? Those are there by God's design as well. If you are a follower of Christ, here is one thing. Notice the description. And I'd like to use that description of a Christian more than I like to use the term Christian because the statement, a follower of Christ, is very clear. It's someone that is following Christ. And if we are following Christ, 
Here is what we are going to be. We're going to be servants. We're going to be servants. Why? Because that's who Christ was. Philippians chapter 2. Jesus Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's the God of heaven making himself a servant and living the life of a servant here on earth. If we're a follower of Christ, we're going to be servants. So, the good work that God has us to do, sometimes that may not just be things that, oh, we really want to do. It may be needs that He puts right in front of us that go into the design that He has for our life He wants us to walk in servanthood. And when opportunities come up to meet the needs of other people, to meet those needs, that's a part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's a part of God's divine design for your life. I think that keeps us, it should keep us humble. Jesus was so interruptible. Do you know that? He was the God of heaven that came down here, and he was so interruptible. D, desires that motivate you. E, experiences, what shaped you. S, skills, what are you good at. I, identity, what defines you, what's your personality G, spiritual gifts. What has God invested in you? And N, needs. What needs has He put around your life? You spend some time asking questions related to each of those. They're going to help you come to a clear understanding of what God's des- divine design is for you. And those things will help you, lead you into the work and the calling that God has upon your life. Close with this. Jesus told a parable. Matthew chapter 25, 14 to 30. It's called the parable of the talents. And the story goes like something like this, quick summary version. A wealthy landowner with servants went on a long journey. And before he went, he called three of his servants in. And to one he gave five talents, sum of money. To one he gave two talents. And to one he gave one. And then he went on his long journey. And the one with five talents immediately went out. And he began using those five talents, investing in it. And he gained five more. The one with two talents went out and he began investing that and using that and he gained two more. And the one with one talent dug a hole, buried it in the ground just to protect it so that nothing would happen to it. The 
the man came back from his journey and called the stewards in. It was time to give an account. What had they done with what he had given? And the one with five told his story and said, here's ten. And the response of the master was, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Same story with the two that became four. He came in, said, you gave me two, here's four in return. Very same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then came in the one talent man. And here is what he said. Master, I knew that you were a hard man. I knew that you reaped where you have not sown. And so I was afraid and I took your talent and I hid it in the ground. Here is the one talent that you gave me. I'm just giving it back. I have lost nothing. And the response was so different. The master said, if you knew that I was someone that reaped where I had not sown, why didn't you at least put it in the bank where I could have gained interest on it? And he called him a wicked, lazy servant. And he handed down a very harsh punishment. Now, I don't want you to make the conclusion that I'm talking here about salvation. I am not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about you earning your way to heaven. You cannot do that. That is a gift by the grace of God only. But if you're a follower of Christ, you have been given some things by God. And He's going to call you to account one day. I'm not saying that to point a finger at anybody. I, wanna, I want you to be ready for that day. I want you to be ready to say to him, here's what you gave me and you see what I've done with it? I've turned it into more so that you can hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. For all eternity, I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come into heaven and share your master's happiness. Interesting in that story, to the one that was given more, more was expected. To the one that was given less, less was expected. But if they did what they could with their reward, the reward was the same. What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you using it? Are you ready to answer to him? Lord, I, are you just excited about the day of accounting so you could say, oh, here's what you've given me and look. Are you living for those words, well done? I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that. 
Find out what your divine design is. Pray about it. Spend some time thinking over those components and asking God to show you what he would have you to do to help build his kingdom. Worship team, would you come? Church, let's stand. Let me just say a prayer for us, over us this morning as we close here. Father, I'm just asking that you would take the truth here. Let it, let it be heard positively, Lord, as an encouragement, as a great opportunity that we have to engage in eternally significant stuff. It's your longing to partner with us in accomplishing eternally significant results. What a privilege that we have to join you in eternal kingdom work. God, bring clarity to this body of Christ right here. To each one that is a follower of Christ, to see clearly and understand our divine design, unique divine design. Be able to use that for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.